Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about whether anyone actually likes holding hands or not. And we're going to do that with my panel. Ali Hassan is here. You know him as a stand-up comic. Uh, he's an actor and a chef. I didn't know you were a chef. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's fading into the distant. You yeah. know, it's now I just cook for uh, four ungrateful children. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not as soul satisfying as it used to be. But yeah, no, definitely. Ten years. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later <laughs> on. And you'll be able to see him in his tour, Muslim Interrupted. And uh, he's hosting Canada Reads 2018 on Another network. Another we'll network. Ta- yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Christy Bruce is here uh, soon. Well, kind of soon. <laughs> in the long distant future, yeah. in August, uh, you'll be able to see Christy in Blind Date, which will be presented at the beautiful Regent Theatre in Picton from August 22nd to September 2nd, 2018, as part of the Festival Players. We'll talk about that in a little while. And Paul Bates is here. You know him as a comedian and actor, and he is here to talk about uh, the 13th Annual Toronto Sketch Fest. Uh, there's 60 sketch comedy acts uh, coming to Toronto from March 1st to the 11th. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff here. Uh, you can get tickets at uh, torontosketchfest.com. Uh, we'll talk all about that in a little while. Yes. I want to talk about holding hands a little bit, though, mm. before we go uh, any further into all that other stuff. So a study was done recently about holding hands, and we have a married couple on, and I only bring this up because <laughs> yeah. you are likely maybe possibly to hold hands from yeah. time to time. So yep. you can speak authoritatively about this back and forth. And it's probably something you've never discussed before because really who talks about this? Nobody except somebody did a study of, on it and says that ultimately, uh, holding hands causes a lot of people, a lot of stress. About 40% of people feel delight in holding hands, while 55% of people feel stress. They think, are my palms going to be sweaty? Uh, Is it going to be weird? Is it going to be awkward when we're walking down the street and someone's coming towards us? We have to let go. Who lets go first? And it causes people a lot of anxiety. Uh, Ali, do you hold hands with your significant other? Well, I I will tell you that years ago, I totally understood this mix of delight and stress. But now, you know, I've got kids who will not hold my hands even when I need them to. I'm like, hey, you're two and we're crossing the street. And he's like, no, I don't want it. Like the, So now I'm kind of desperate for somebody to hold my hand. So if my <laughs> wife holds my hand, I'm like, thank you, somebody, finally. Somebody's... I like it. I'm enjoying it again. And yeah. do you guys hold hands? When you walk down the street, do you hold hands? Oh, yeah, sure. Sometimes we do. I feel, I love holding hands, but I also feel like we've done the legwork in our relationship <laughs> where it's like uh, when we're tired of each other's hands, we just toss we just, them away. Oh, there's, there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing to explain. But this sounds, Christy, like something that comes with uh, experience, with being with someone for a yeah. long time. Have you been together for a long time? Oh, we have. Uh, like let's 15, see. Yeah, about that. Yeah, so years? it's a long time. A long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I th- you know what? I don't, I find that there's nothing sweeter than watching a couple in their later years yeah. walking down the street holding hands. It makes me believe in love. Mm. But maybe, <laughs> so... maybe they've only started in their later years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. The yeah, skeptic, maybe. the love right? skeptic Paul Bates is in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I will say, those new those new couples with something to prove who are holding hands mm-hmm. like almost aggressively those are those are people who are a nuisance on the sidewalk because they're ownership. not they're not it's ownership as well potentially <laughs> they're just not giving up the handhold and now they're blocking but it's inconvenient but well, they on. win right they win that status thing of like when you're walking down the sidewalk and you see someone who's who's going to move right. who's not going to move yeah the game they're of in love. chicken they're got, they've got more important things. Those are people who are also going to buy a side-by-side stroller. 
Not, oh. not the behind. They're going to have oh, two yeah. kids, and it's going to be side by side. It's going to take up the entire sidewalk. <laughs> and those are people so who should be tarred and feathered. I so said that it. those I children wonder. can hold hands as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we tend to be more the arm in arm person, oh. not the holding hands people. That makes nice. me believe in love. Yeah. Does that make you yeah. believe in love? Yeah. yeah. I like Closer that. It feels, for some reason, for me, that feels more intimate than holding mm-hmm. someone's hand. You should do arm yeah. in arm. It feels like when you're doing that, you're not walking, you're promenading. <laughs> <laughs> this could turn into a dance at that any moment. That is very important to me. Uh, apparently, one of the things that this study uncovered is that in the LGBTQ community, holding hands is uh, a real symbol. Mm-hmm. Holding hands actually yeah. means something more there in public, walking down the street hand in hand with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, depending, uh, is uh, a statement as well as um, simply just a, a show of affection. Well, I think I, I always believed that as well, which is why it used to cause me stress when a female friend would hold my hand. And if I'm dating somebody, it wasn't akin to cheating, but it was like, oh, this is a little too intimate. Yeah. Right? Whereas, like, in uh, in Quebec, we kiss on two cheeks when we meet. That never bothered me. But something about the, there's yeah. an intimacy with hand-holding it's that I It's funny really about like. the kissing thing because we, you know, in, in, you know, I kiss people on the cheek and that sort of thing and would never hold their hand. Yeah. Right. And it seems more, you would yeah. think that the kissing thing would be more intimate. But uh, it doesn't right. feel oh my that gosh, I, I have friends that I, I kiss on the lips and I, I don't hold their hand. You're a lip kisser. I am, depending. You've got to earn it. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's it face took... just went, she does? She is? Honestly, it took me several years to earn the lip kissing. <laughs> you worked for it. I had to work for that. But that is interesting. and uh, that Yeah, I've never thought of that. I won't mm-hmm. hold their hand. But I will link arms with friends. Yeah. Yes. There are other parts of the world where hand holding is uh, is is super common in, with people who aren't couples, right? This yeah, is yeah. people, friends, uh, and y- y- hold hands and yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, all the time. There's a you know in India and Pakistan, men will hold hands. In in India, Russell Peters actually does a joke about this. Men will hold pinkies, huh? right. and uh, as they're holding pinkies, they'll talk about how gay somebody else is. You know, that's his. That's basically his joke. Whereas for us, it would be like, well, th- this is. For sure, you guys are a couple. You're a male couple, and they're yeah. like, no, "Are you crazy? We're not a male couple." You know, like it's, uh, it's, it's very different. The cultural differences in handholding. We're making very a pinky square. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, so Facebook is testing. Well, they say they're not, but apparently they are testing a dislike button, oh. and I think it's a great idea. And I think that they actually need another button. So, what do you do if someone? announces, well, you know, my father just died and, and you know, we're going to miss him and that whole thing. And you want to acknowledge it somehow. You can leave a comment, obviously, but, you know, it seems like the idea of, of getting likes is very important to some people. So, but you can't really like that. I don't think you should like that. A dislike seems like the, not exactly the right thing, except no. you're saying like, I dislike that your father died. <laughs> yeah. So that's okay. But there should be something. There should be one that sort of like suggests. A, a broken heart. A little broken heart might or be Or like a well, little have, emoji with a tear. Yeah. They have those emojis, the sad face. Yeah. yeah. They have yeah, the, the heart. But see, yeah. I find though. I find when I see a death notice on Facebook and then you you look at the comments and it's a series of emojis with mm-hmm. like oh, and tears and things that it seems trite to me. Well, here yeah. so so I've I've debated this in my mind a ton as a guy who's so reluctantly in social media. And I'm I'm active on social media, but I think if I wasn't a stand-up comic, I wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. 
because I, you know, like when my father passed away, personally, I didn't put that on Facebook. Me either. I put some Neither. comments on yeah. and I just sort of deleted the comments. I'm like, that's not, yeah. I'm trying to build a persona here. That's, that's a very private, personal thing yeah. that happened. Um, but it's, it's, it's the, the like buttons mm-hmm. have created this, again, as we talk about stress and delight. It's again this thing where if somebody puts something up and they, I didn't get a lot of likes, yeah. what it, you know, then you start. It's affecting people's mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, it, mm-hmm. because they've proven that it, it it's the uh, endorphins in sure. your yeah. brains that so actually get triggered. What do we know about a dislike or a downvote? What what endorphins was that? Maybe, maybe well, people will th- will thrive on the hate. Be, well, yeah, yeah, bring well, it. Well, one thing I is not <laughs> uh, I've always said Facebook. The only thing Facebook needs is more public shaming. So this is going to be a great opportunity. I, I don't know. Like I, yeah, I've seen that as well. Like, like for me, like a, a like button is often for when I don't know what to say. Right. Uh, and I feel like uh, something as serious as a loss in the family to, to, to minimize it down to a, a button uh, or, just or a an emoji. Oh, yeah, an emoji. But, but so. my point but to, uh, to your triteness uh, point, mm-hmm. if you're going to take something as serious as a family member's death and put it on a, pace, uh, on a Facebook post, then can't I also, isn't it also equal, like... But see, we, we're in the parameters of Facebook. Facebook has these emojis. You yeah. put it on Facebook, can I use something right. that's also within those parameters? And because I never wanted to put a, a a button when I'm like, oh man, that's so serious. But I'm like, well, I think sad face with tears works right now. No, I, yeah. I get that, but you know, I think that possibly all of us in this room use social media a little differently than a lot of people do. I would probably think that you use it, Ali, to to publicize gigs and, yeah. and get people coming to your shows. Same with you guys. I put my articles and the mm-hmm. TV show goes up there. Very little personal stuff actually gets mentioned on on Facebook for me. And when my father died, I grappled with it a little bit because there are people who would want to know and there is a number of people you know that I'm, I'm connected to but probably don't talk to very often. Right. And so I grappled with putting it up there or not. But, and I and the end chose not to because it didn't feel for me like the form but for a lot of people uh, who don't have shows to promote or, or whatever, that just use it as a social tool, I mean, that is something that they would do. They talk about the events in their lives and, and mm-hmm. how these things affect them. So it's different for them, I think. I've, yeah, I've seen some very touching statements. Mm-hmm. I find that if I want to respond, I usually do it off of social yeah. media and send them a personal note. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's just because I have problems sharing my, you know, even those condolences in a public forum because I'm emotionally bottled up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's those negative things, you know, something so deeply personal I won't share, but I, I definitely do berate my children publicly yeah. on yeah. Facebook, but Me that's too. also to keep them in line. <laughs> right. They know yeah. that, man, if I do this, my father's posting and they, this. Dad's and watching. Yeah. Dad is watching. Me. I'm not a fan of public shaming, and yet my, my dad shaming is... Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's at peak. It's at peak dad shaming. <laughs> children of, shaming, I should call it. Is this the thing about Facebook, too, where people are, like, humble bragging or mm-hmm. doing that thing of, like, are they looking for attention? Or It's so like, then, I can't believe I have to go to Paris oh, again. Oh, right. On set and then had to get driven to my other set. Mm, <laughs> hashtag set life. It's how, horrible. How can I feel so good about spending all this money my father left me? <laughs> We're going to leave that right there. (laughs) On that note, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Christy Bruce. We'll talk about her new show uh, coming to the Festival Players in August. We've got a long time to talk about it. Uh, Paul Bates will talk about Toronto Sketch uh, Comedy Festival and Ali Hassan. We're going to talk about Canada Reads. Stay with us.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. A little bit later on, we'll talk about Idris Elba proposing to his girlfriend at a movie screening. I think that's a little tacky, <laughs> but that's just me. We'll get to that in just a little while. And we'll do that with my guest. Ali Hassan is here. You know him as a stand-up comic. You may have seen his show, Muslim Interrupted. It's uh, toured the country a couple of times. It's played at the Edinburgh Fridge, Fringe, Fringe Festival, <laughs> which happens just after the Fringe Festival. Restrained yes. and cooped. So <laughs> many good fridges there. So much. <laughs> yeah. So many good Westinghouses there. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, that show uh, a little bit later on and your remounting and touring the country mm -hmm. and doing all sorts of things for that. Paul Bates is here. We're going to talk about the Toronto Sketch Fest. There's over 60 sketch comedy acts coming to Toronto March 1st through the 11th. Uh, and you're a big part of that. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk to uh, Christy Bruce first up here, though. You, in August... In Long August, Long range get planning, ready. it's good. Uh, but the festival players, so tell me a little bit about the festival players. Uh, it's it's a relatively new festival. Uh, it's in the beautiful, you know, cottagey country of Ontario. Yeah, so for people who aren't listening in Toronto, yes, uh, and there's a lot of them, uh, tell me what Prince Edward County is because everybody talks about Prince Edward County now. It's all I hear yeah, about. Yeah, they sure do. It's the it's the it's Toronto's. It's hot. It's Bali. a hot place to yeah. go. It's like it's like <laughs> I've never been. You've never been. <laughs> well, but, but, well, I, I've I never been there, but I've heard great things. I understand it's lovely, and that they, there's lots of artisanal jams and breads ah, and things like that. But it's going beyond that. Buy. There is a burgeoning food and restaurants. Okay, and, yeah, so go. it's not just fudge. And uh, right. and apricot preserves. It's good. There's, there's great food to be had there. Oh, great! Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, take a friend, take your partner. I'm gonna, I'll I'll take Paul Bates. Yeah, great. Ah, oh, this is great. <laughs> this is getting better all the time. So, Christy, and you're doing a show called Blind Date. Yes. Tell me about Blind Date. Blind Date is a show that uh, Rebecca Northern uh, created about myself, uh, and I pick an audience member, full consent. Mm -hmm. I talked to them in the lobby before uh, to come on to the stage with me and do a 90 minute show. I've seen this show, but you weren't doing it. Okay. It was uh, at the Theatre Pasmarai, I think. No, where was it? It was Tarragon. Tarragon. Yeah. It was at the Tarragon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw it, and it is just exactly that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it seems like it is such a, a tightrope, I would imagine, because you don't know who you're going to get from the audience, but you choose someone from the audience. Yep. They hand out a little, like they, they walk around yeah. before and then ask questions. Yeah, we, we mingle and Yeah, and get they a found feel. a guy and brought up, and 90 minutes later, an entire show yep. with set changes yep. and different characters and all sorts of things happen. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I remember yeah. seeing you in the lobby, actually. Really? I did. Yeah. Well, my wife and I loved the show. That's great. So tell me more. It's, it's you know what, the, the whole idea of the show is to really celebrate human beings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, when they see Spontaneous Theater, which is, this is one of the productions of Spontaneous Theater, they can't believe that that's not a plant. At least 10 to 15% of the audiences always think it's a plant because they don't believe that someone could get up on stage and and be amazing, be funny and charming. And um, But it, it really is just a testament to, to how amazing every single human being is and how no one's life is, is really boring, how we're all really fascinating people. And so the whole idea of the show is to really get to know this person. You know, and it's a first, it's a fake first date, and mm -hmm. ninety percent of the time, their their spouses are in the audience. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's there's lots of things in place to take care of 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 the spouse and and the person. There's a obviously. long sort of protracted like, will they kiss or not? There's a thing whole like, are they going to have a first kiss thing? Yeah. And 
Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's really it's fun to do, and I've met the most amazing people across Canada, and we did it in in London in the West End as well. So I'm speaking with uh, Christy Bruce. Blind Date will be presented at the Regent Theatre in Picton, which is in Prince Edward County, the beautiful Prince Edward County, uh, outside of Toronto, from August 22nd to September 2nd. Um, how do you? What do you look for in someone when you bring them up? Because if you get them up there and they're a dud, you're stuck with them for the next eighty-five minutes. So what happens? Well, this is the thing that it comes up up a lot too. Like, have you? What's the worst dud? And mm-hmm. and the, the if if I ever got into a position where I felt like, oh, this is a dud, then I'm not doing my job right. right. It's really up to me to bring out who that person is. Uh, but when we're in the lobby, and there's there's a few other shows actually we're doing uh, undercover in Edmonton in April, a little bit earlier, <laughs> uh, which is a murder mystery. So we, we pick an audience member, they come up and they're an undercover detective. But it's the same idea when you're going through the lobby of, of and I've been doing it for so long now, that I can literally just, we can scan the lobby and there's just people that, they just That's have a hot. light. They just spark. Yeah. Like like if you go to a, a cocktail party or any any place, a movie lobby, and you just you kind of someone catches your eye. They just have an energy, and then that's why we have, like, in Blind Date, the little compliments. We have yeah. conversations. We just to get to know them a little bit, just to see what we like to look for is someone who's reluctantly playful, we right. say. So right. someone who's like, ooh, I don't know. I mean, ooh, that might be fun. Not someone who's like, yeah, I want to do this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that might be a little bit more performy. Yeah, you get and you get a performance from the person rather than some natural reaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes the, the, the big risk, I guess, is that when s- you never know how uh, nerves and mm-hmm. fear is going to change someone. So that's the real unknown factor of the show because someone can be one way in the lobby and they get in front of 400 people and then they just... So then then it's it's my job to make sure that they're that you calm them down and right. yeah get them relaxed so that they become that person that I met in the lobby and it's a different show every night essentially every night. oh yeah I mean the same idea it's a first date and I'm, I'm sure some of the same things happen yeah but it's a different show every single night yeah it's structured improv basically mm-hmm. so there is kind of key points that we aim towards we always say that it's like we bring in the empty coloring book and the guest colors it in right. so we do have a path that we normally travel but we've totally gone off the rails too because the person that we've brought up has decided to go somewhere else. So can I ask you one thing on that? This is very, very interesting. How do you choose the person? You're in the lobby, you're looking across this sort of yeah. broad spectrum they, they, of people. They hand out compliments to people. Yeah. And what what do some of them say? I can't remember. Oh, uh, everyone in the room is trying not to get caught staring at you. Right. Uh, you have a beautiful smile. You know, like just nice compliments. Uh, but really it is about having a conversation with them and getting to know them. And then now what we do is we say, look, do you know how the show works? We give them a little bit of a rundown and we say, would you be interested in being on our maybe list? And by the end of mingling in the lobby, we usually have, you know, six to 12 people that kind of consent to say, yeah, I'll be on the maybe list. Their partners are also totally fine with it. Um, and then you just you just choose. It's, just, it's like who you want to talk to more, like if you're at a party, who would you like to go and have more conversation with or get to know better? And what we've only got a, a couple of seconds left here. What are you doing in Edmonton in April? Edmonton, we're doing Spontaneous Theater's uh, production of Undercover, which we just, I just actually flew back from Calgary uh, yesterday where we did it there and we also did it at the Tarragon. So it's the same idea, except there's six improvisers. We pick an audience member to come on stage. They're our undercover detective. <laughs> it's a murder mystery, so someone dies and they go into detective mode and they have to figure out who done it. Well, 
Keep your eye open for that in Edmonton. And then in August at the Regent Theatre in Picton, uh, August 22nd to September 2nd, look for Christy in Blind Date. Uh, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ali Hassan about Canada Reads and Muslim Interrupted. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, we'll talk about Idris Elba and his showy proposal to his girlfriend at a movie screening. And we'll do that with my guest, Christy Bruce, uh, in Edmonton soon, in a few weeks. Well, I know, yeah. in about a month no, 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 The Citadel Theatre. Yeah, yeah, the Citadel Theatre. You'll be, oh, the Citadel Theatre. John Neville used to be the uh, the artistic director there many, many years yes, ago. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Citadel Theatre. And uh, you'll be able to see her uh, in Edmonton at the Citadel Theatre in a show called Undercover. You'll also be able to see her in August in Picton. Uh, that's uh, outside of Toronto in Prince Edward County uh, from August 22nd to September 2nd in a show called Blind Date which is just that. It's someone from the audience who essentially goes on a blind date with uh, a cast member, uh, Christy, playing Mimi mm-hmm. on stage, and you do so for 90 minutes. It's uh, a bit of a high-wire act, and uh, that's brave of you to do it because it terrifies me. The idea <laughs> of it terrifies me. Uh, Paul Bates is here, too. Paul Bates, you know, is an actor and a comedian. Uh, the Toronto Sketch Fest is what he's here to talk about. It's the 13th annual one. There's 60 sketch comedy acts from March 1st to the 11th uh, coming to Toronto. You can find tickets at torontosketchfest.com and uh, a festival pass is only 90 bucks and it's valid for all shows and there's 60 shows. That's like, I don't know, a buck 50 a show. Not even. (laughs) That's That's a great deal. That's a great deal. And then Ali Hassan is here. Ali, uh, you've been here before. I have. You've talked about many things. You've never talked about being a chef here though before. We'll talk about the other stuff. But how long were you a chef? As a chef, I was a, a caterer. For a long time, I I managed a restaurant. I got an MBA and I loved food. And I was like, well, I guess I should manage a restaurant. But I just, I don't like telling people what to do. And I (laughs) enjoy making food just way too much. So that it was clear that that was the wrong thing for me. So then I started cooking a little casually at first. And then I started teaching cooking lessons. And then I had a proper uh, uh, catering company in Montreal for a while. And what was your specialty? My specialty was Indian-influenced food and then it branched out to a lot of um, Mediterranean and I I had a a restaurant with a partner, my friend Nanta in Montreal, we had a Malaysian place. So, you know, adding lemongrass and lime leaves and coconut curry, uh, coconut um, milk milk to the curries rather than the traditional Indian Pakistani curries, I really started enjoying that. So I was really all over the map. I'm just a guy who gets bored very easily. So I, I found ways to keep myself very interested in food and, and, and interest other people in and food. And do you have good knife skills? All I that do stuff? have good yeah. knife skills. Yeah. When when I'm chopping and one of my children wants to talk to me, I just continue chopping and look at them. And my wife's like, I still can't get over the fact that you do that. You're going to lose about, a finger. It's all about holding the thing, sort of like a fist almost. The cage. Yeah. Yeah. The cage. Just Is that the called cage. the cage? Yeah, Is you that what it's called? Like oh. make a little cage, you know? Yeah. That's why I have no uh, I have no hair on these knuckles. <laughs> You've shaved it but all off? Kn- these knuckles. <laughs> I noticed that you had very different <laughs> <laughs> Do your kids like to cook? Do they, do they pass it on? Um, two of them like to eat. Yeah. The boys like to eat, which is great. My girls are, they'll eat everything, but it's like, n- no gratitude. They're never happy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just stopped caring. Um, but they'll help when I ask them. Nobody is naturally interested, except for the two-year-old, but that's just because he wants to press the button on the blender. Yeah, he sure. wants to, can I use a knife? He, he'll always say, look, my hands are getting bigger, so soon I can use a knife. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's, he's interested in the wrong stuff. It's right. not about the cooking. It's about 
the knives. I, I, <laughs> nice. I love cooking because I like uh, the prep work, and I learned how to cook by working in restaurants. So I can only make enough food for about seventy-five people at a time. <laughs> right. But I like uh, the the mise en place that goes yeah sure. with it. So cutting everything up and getting it all ready beforehand. I know how to use a knife, so everything comes out the same size. Right. And all this stuff. Yeah. And then you make something, and then you go, look at this thing I made for you. Mm-hmm. It is my love on a plate for you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I enjoy that. And then there's an instant gratification yep. element too, uh, which can go bad also if yep. somebody tastes something and awful. then pushes yeah. their plate away, and you're like, "Well, that doesn't feel." Well, good. this we're just teaching our eight year olds how to cook, mm. and I bought him a cookbook. I, I'm vegetarian, and so is my son, and so we bought him this cookbook. And so once a week, he picks a menu, and he we get the groceries, and he makes it. And wow, I've never seen him clear his plate so. So much. Well, like, because he appreciates the amount of work that goes into doing it. Yeah, and it's his. Mm. We yeah. tried that because that is a theory that exists in the world, and I'm so happy that it's working for you guys. And you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, I seem really sarcastic because it didn't work for us. Like I, when I met my daughters, my girls are from my wife's first marriage. Right. So I, when I met them, you know, my wife for the first time left left the girls alone with me. I was like, guys, let's make a pizza. So we got the the dough. I rolled out the dough. They grated the cheese. They cut all the, you know, the broccoli and the peppers. We had this big vegetarian pizza. They're, you know, sun-dried tomatoes. I mean, it's a little bit fancy. And uh, they couldn't have been bothered one way or another. Once it was time to eat the pizza, they yeah, it's okay. I'm like, but you make, you're insulting yourselves at this point. (laughs) They're just not food you know, they're just not keen. They're no. not food enthusiasts. Well, while you're on tour, see what I'm doing here? While yes. you're on tour with Muslim Interrupted, yeah. you get a chance to eat all across the country. I do. So, uh, but when do you go on tour with this? When can people see the show? Yeah, so it's something, you know, at the end of 2016, I had kind of shaped it at the Edinburgh Fringe, Fringe Festival. Yep. And then all of 2017, uh, I toured it across Canada. Trump has been in the U.S., uh, which is a bad thing uh, on many levels, but it was a good thing for me because I was like, maybe I won't go to the U.S. I don't <laughs> want to have a, a show booked then I, then I, and then I can't get across the border right. because some border patrol officer is like, you're, you're going to come into our country and make fun of our country. Yeah. Like, that's not a part of the show necessarily, but, you know, it could be interpreted that way. Yeah. So I really just focused on Canada, and I have been able to travel all across. I'd never been to Victoria. I'd never been to St. John's. Mm. Uh, I went to Edmonton and Calgary and Winnipeg, and I just so many. Now And, and now in 2018, we're getting to the smaller markets. We've done about 18 shows. Uh, I'm going to be in Medicine Hat in March. Wow. very excited about the hat. Wow. Everybody I've ever met from Medicine Hat. Gems, maybe only the gems leave and the, the, <laughs> the jerks stay there. Watch what you say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm very happy to go there. And, you know, um, Nelson and Cranbrook, uh, wow. you see those are in the works. And then the smaller, I just did Oakville this weekend, uh, Milton, Ontario, Richmond Hill, Ontario. And, and the show, uh, we've only got about a minute left. No, we don't. We have three minutes left. So tell me about the show. Well, the show is born out of, uh, again, going back to my kids, they, they should really get a cut of this, but they... You know, I, I I came to the conclusion that I was a cultural Muslim. I don't practice, but but Islam is part of my. It's 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 in weird ways. It's part of my creative life. I talk about it in, on stage. When I was a chef, I would make things that is you know from Muslim countries like Malaysia and Pakistan. Right. Um, but I don't practice the religion. Now the problem is, then you have kids and they're curious about their religion, and they say, "Are we Muslim?" I go, "Yeah, sure, we're Muslim." And then they're like, you know, how come we don't go to the mosque? I'm like, I don't know. Do you, do you want to go to the mosque? I'll get your grandmother to set it up. And, well, how come we don't pray? And how come we don't? And so then this sort of badgering that was happening at home, I just kind of took that on stage. 
um, you know, feeling like the victim of this abuse from my children right. every day. I was like, I got to get this out on stage. And it started turning into something. Five, 10, 20 minutes. I realized I've got 15 minutes on pepperoni alone. <laughs> my, first, my first love, the forbidden fruit yeah, for a Muslim. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden I said, I think I have a show here. And as I, as I started doing it, people were uh, both being entertained and informed, I found out. People were like, oh, I didn't realize that Muslims go to Sunday school. I'm like, yeah, that was the most horrific time of my life. Uh, the, f- the 10 years that my mother forced me to go to s- Islamic Sunday school. And, oh, I didn't realize Muslims pray five times a day. I didn't realize Muslims can't eat pork. All this stuff started to, and then, you know. Um, these funny things were happening where I got asked to be a celebrity judge at Ribfest. I was like, well, that has to go on stage, you know? And so it just became a show that way. And then yeah. over time I've been piecing it and now it's about an 80, 85 minute show. How do your parents feel about it? Well, uh, my father passed on. He would have been happy to see me yeah. on stage. I think my mother is, uh, she just doesn't have that sense of humor. She saw the show in Montreal, and at one point she turned to her friend and she says, you know, a lot of this is exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm doing up here, Mom? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, they're okay with it. They're happy that I'm touring and doing something I love to do. And you're also going to be hosting Canada Reads 2018 on uh, CBC Radio. Tell us in, that's, a, in a nutshell. That's the that. thing my father would have been happiest with. Right. He was an English teacher. Ah, there so, you go. And, and he would have been shocked, too, because he was always like, you never read anything. I have a library of 10,000 yeah. books downstairs. I never see you reading. I'm like, well, that's because there's television and, and girls <laughs> and food, you know. But I, I came into books more in my 20s. And uh, and to host this, it's I just love that Canada has uh, a literary competition mm-hmm. that so many people tune into. People will reluctantly tell me that they have Canada Reads parties at home yeah, yeah. where they watch and they bet on the books. And, you know, I'm, it's just such a great thing that literature is so passionately championed in this country. And I'm happy to host the show. And that you can bet on it. Yeah. Uh, Ali Hassan, uh, look for his show, Muslim Interrupted, coming soon to a theater near yeah. you, uh, somewhere Ali's across the, the country. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Idris Elba, and we'll do that with Paul Bates, Christy Bruce, and more with Ali. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. Idris Elba proposed to his girlfriend at a movie screening. Do we say yay or nay to this? Christy Bruce. As the female in the room, <laughs> I say nay. I don't yeah. know. I, I, uh, it's just as weird. It's, it, you know what? It kind of goes back to the, the Facebook thing and, and the and yeah. condolences. It's like, is this a private moment or is this, are you, is this work? And he did it at a, at a screening of a movie called Yardy, which he directed. And the cynical part of me, the show busy side of me says, okay, so you proposed to your girlfriend at a screening of your movie because you know that your movie will then be mentioned in every article that gets written about this. And it seems cynical to me. Paul Bates. I, I had a similar cynical <laughs> thought. I, my, my, the theory that I was floating was that uh, he knew it was going to get panned, so he had to do preemptive damage control and propose <laughs> to a woman so that that becomes the story. Ali Hassan, would you propose to someone at, at, before Muslim interrupted? No, I <laughs> wouldn't because I'm already married. But that also goes, look, you know, to, to, to go against the cynical tide that is here, he's had a couple of failed relationships. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know the way sometimes you start going to the gym and then you tell everyone you're going to the gym or you've quit drinking, you're like, I'm not drinking, so that you, you're like, I've told all these people, now I'll have to 
do oh. it. I've, put my, I've exposed myself. Now I have to stick with Maybe that's what he's doing with this marriage. He's like a couple of failed marriages. This one's going to stick because I'm going to tell everybody about it. You know, it's and, funny. I cannot relate to you the going to the gym thing or the quitting drinking thing. Right. But I think I understand where you're coming You were the one who gave me the most supportive look on that. Like, well, actually, you know, I just, I'm trying to support. You know, I just felt that that was also a kind of a cynical take on it. It is slightly cynical. It is slightly cynical. When, uh, when Paul uh, asked me to marry him, uh, it was in Cuba. Yeah. And I had a kidney infection, uh, had a very high fever, which in retrospect was probably smart because I was a little bit like... Delirious? Delirious. Nothing is more romantic than having someone who's kind of half dead on a Cuban beach. (laughs) I remember seeing you in that state and just thinking to myself, I I have to propose. This is why we're here. And I I went through, even though it was like a (laughs) full-on kidney infection. (laughs) What day of the trip was that? Oh, near the end because I was was nervous and I I kept putting it off. And and there was a day where uh, Christy lost a favorite ring in the ocean. uh, And uh, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is, I'm going to be able to bust out the ring tonight. I will find the ring. Yeah. And then, uh, but then she found her own ring in the ocean again. Unbelievable. And I, was like, this is, oh, I yeah. worked hard this, on that. Yeah. This is a film that should be made, I think. <laughs> uh, so Idris Elba, just back to Idris Elba for a second. Now, this is not a great story for radio, but I will tell it anyway. Uh, my wife and I were sitting at the bar at the Ritz-Carlton during the Toronto International Film Festival, and behind me, I hear a very familiar voice, and it's Idris Elba standing directly behind us. He's standing sort of between us, directly behind us. And I had the presence of mind to uh, grab my phone and take a picture of my wife's face when I said, look, honey, who's standing behind us? And you look and you see the unbridled joy on her face. There is As some... she gazed upon Idris. Yeah, there is something about Idris that does bring unbridled joy to yeah. a lot of faces. And we were talking about this on the way down here. Like just the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the fantasy element of uh, of pretending that you're the person that Idris Elba uh, is proposing yes. to, e- even for me, is an exciting <laughs> fantasy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. At the 13th Annual Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival, Paul Bates. Uh, here to talk about that. It's happening in Toronto from March 1st to 11th. 90 bucks for a pass for all shows. There's 60 shows. Yeah. I think it's $1.50 a show. Uh, it's a great deal. Definitely uh, worse ways you can spend your money. This is a, I mean, it's the 13th one, mm-hmm. and this is for mo- so many years, um, the Sketch Festival has been uh, such a good festival. It's 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 really well attended. It's extremely well organized. And uh, I don't think I've seen a bad show there. Uh, there's, a, there's a very high level of quality uh, in the festival. And people there's, come from all over the world. Yeah, we have, uh, we have great international acts that show up. A lot of great uh, acts from American cities, uh, cities from around the world, and uh, and but also enough room to really showcase the amazing talent in Toronto. There's a lot of good comedic talent uh, in stand-up, but also and in sketch in, in the city, and everybody gets a uh, a really good showcase here. And what will you be doing there? Um, I'm involved in a couple of shows. There was a Fringe show I directed that uh, uh, was a big hit in the Fringe, so they're bringing it back for one night at uh, at Sketch Fest called uh, 32 Short Sketches About Bees, which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> that sounds um, like it's worth a buck fifty. <laughs> it's a good, fun show, and yep. uh, you'll really like it if you come. And the, uh, the show I'm actually in uh, is an act that I do with... Uh, uh, a friend of mine named Doug Morenci, uh, we, uh, we play uh, 
an act called uh, The Williamson Playboys. It's a musical comedy act. Uh, it's part sketch, part song, part improv. We play the oldest living father and son Cajun music duo. <laughs> Doug, uh, Doug plays a 141-year-old man named Cecil Jr. I play his father, Rufus. Uh, he plays the ukulele. I play the tuba. And we sing songs from our long, long career uh, dating all the way back to like the days of the Civil War. We sing songs about the Hindenburg, about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the very first uh, example of negative campaigning. Um, uh, and we just uh, tell stories. Sometimes they're improvised of, uh, of the things we've done in our lives over our careers. And we take questions from the audience, things like that. And we're actually doing um, uh, a live album recording at, uh, at our oh, shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And those are, I think that's on March 9th and 10th at the festival. And, and where does an idea like that come from? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, and, that, and what's the voice? What voice? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're the voice here on the bit like this. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, we, uh, we kind of came up with that when we were at Second City together, Doug right. and I. So that's was uh it started off uh as uh, about a six or seven minute sketch uh back in like 2001 and it has ballooned into a <laughs> 75 minute show wow <laughs> sometimes during the second city show your one sketch would balloon into a 70 yeah much to the chagrin of our castmates we would stay on there uh for like 15 minutes <laughs> on stage yeah <laughs> and there's some other great people coming uh bruce mccullough will be there with tales of bravery and stupidity from the uh my kids in the hall. Kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, who are Flo and Joan? You were talking glowingly about them before we turned oh, on yeah. the microphone. None of us in this room could say enough good things about Flo and Joan. They're um, uh, they're sisters. Uh, uh, originally from England. They've lived uh, back and forth between England and Canada for a long time. Uh, and uh, they're another musical comedy act. Uh, can't recommend them enough. They're, uh, you've, you may have seen them online. They had a really uh, popular viral YouTube video where they sang a song about 2016 and what a horrible year it was. <laughs> um uh, they're uh, yeah they're 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 on I, I, they they share a piano I'm not sure if one of them plays it or if they're both playing it together but they sing beautifully and uh, it's all just very very funny songs from these two sisters yeah, they're smart. great yeah they played the Edinburgh Fringe as well I'm speaking with Paul Bates the show or the the festival is the Toronto Sketch Fest 13th annual it takes place Thursday March 1st to Sunday March 11th uh, venues all over the city for more information go to torontosketchfest.com uh, and if you're not listening in Toronto, come here and be amused. Yes. <laughs> be amused by the people. Come in from <laughs> Prince Edward County. <laughs> come in from Prince Edward County and beyond. So Kim Cottrell uh, has said some things about Sarah Jessica Parker. Have you heard about this? So Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker sent via Instagram uh, a, a note of, of consolation to Kim Cottrell when her brother died. And Kim Cottrell fired back... Uh, calling her a hypocrite, saying you can your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were now and then. Let me make this very clear if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. It goes on. And so the question here, the, the response, Kim Cattrall's response has been met with various reactions online. Some people are like, you go, girl. Others are like, oh, come on. Like, let's not air this publicly. I don't know. Christy, how do you feel? I think I, I, I don't, I, I know it's something that I would not have done, but I'm not sure how other Look, people. humble brag. I worked with Kim Cattrall in, in New York. In, in, in uh, Private Lives. In Private Lives. Yeah. And Paul Gross. Too. And Paul Gross. And um, 
She's a very interesting mm-hmm. woman, which always seems bad. So I, I, I think it's it's. I, I, she's a big personality. She's a big. She's a huge personality. Yeah. And you know what? There's this thing where she became successful very, very young. When yeah. she was 16, she moved from teeny little town in BC to yeah. New York at 16, and she had a lot of success when she was young. And I think people that have these early successes, they live in this bubble. They grow up in this bubble, and. George Clooney used to say that you sort of get stymied or stuck at the age at which you become famous. Mm. That makes so sense. So if you're Justin Bieber and you're 15, you are stuck kind of in mm-hmm. that in that socially time. stunted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and you know beyond that, now Clooney was not famous until he was 35 or 40 or something like that. So you know it was a different thing. Yeah. So I mean, we're not saying that's the case with Kim Cattrall necessarily, but. I think it's a thing that she's just been raised and she's a beautiful woman. And so it's always been, you know, and, and now she's aging. And I, and I think she's always been fighting these things. And you're trying to stay relevant and you're trying to be seen as something that maybe you're not. And so I, I feel like this kind of attack, obviously, she's going through something extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And you're not in your right mind when you're dealing with such grief. And so there's that part of it. That being said, again, to take it to a social media aspect and to make it into this kind of fight of, of like, now it's not about my brother. It's about this, the hypocrisy of Sarah Jessica Parker's. It, it kind of folds back into what we were talking about at the very beginning of the show, Ali, and, and how social media for a lot of us is just simply, here's what I'm doing today, not a, a venue for airing grievances. That's it. So my wife had actually read this to me. Yesterday, I don't know why I'm not a massive Sex in the City fan or anything, but she's like, "Oh, look at this! What do you think of this?" Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say that I, I don't have any. I don't know either of them, but my first instinct, you know, I think when somebody dies, sometimes you get this clarity: what really matters in your life. Right. You know, I know that's happened for me. Um, certain things that were once important are no longer important. You know, and, that, and this, my first instinct was. How horrific a human being must Sarah Jessica Parker be mm-hmm. that this is what Kim Cattrall with her, her newfound mm-hmm. perspective and life had to be like, leave me alone. She said something about her nice girl persona. Yeah, you're yeah. just trying to maintain your night. Uh, having heard your uh, input here, Christy, I'm like, oh, maybe that was wrong. But that was definitely my first instinct. Well, I don't want to sway anyone. If they love Kim, they love Kim. <laughs> and people do love Kim they Cattrall. Do. That's the thing. Sex in the City and Mannequin and all the this whole <laughs> giant body of work that she has. Star we Trek have, 6. Yeah, yeah. We have to leave it here, though. Uh, thank you so much. Ali Hassan, look for uh, Muslim Interrupted. Watch him on, watch and listen uh, on Canada Reads. Uh, Christy Bruce, in August, you know, we'll see you around. Uh, <laughs> but in Edmonton in April, uh, check out the Citadel Theater, check your local listings. And Paul Bates, 13th Annual Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival. Look for the Williamson Playboys. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Andre, on the board, and we'll see you again next week.